Well, the choir did a great job, and uh, as the young kids are coming and and got their offerings and whatnot, y'all be careful. There you go. Just slide it in there. Y'all help each other out. There you go. Good job. Help each other out there. Okay. Heard one of them say, no running in church. <laughs> and uh, not only is it good safety habit, but it also just shows respect for God's house. Okay. I've got a quick question, and this is this. It's a really good question, too. Who, does anybody, raise your hand if you know, who is Jesus? Does anybody know the answer to that question? Yes, ma'am. Who? He's our Savior. Very good answer. Yes, sir. Do you know who Jesus is? Who's Jesus? He on the cross? Yes, he was on the cross. Anybody else have a clue? Who is Jesus? Yes, ma'am. Who's? He's God. Very good. And that is, I couldn't have said it better. He's, he was on the cross. He did die. Is he alive today? Yep, he is alive. Okay. No, he died on the cross. That's why they're at church. <laughs> so they can know and they can hear about Jesus. And, uh, but the thing is, especially at y'all's age, it, just to know who is Jesus. And you know what? Jesus is God's Son. God sent Him to die on the cross. He rose again three days later so we could have a home in heaven that He conquered death and sin. Sin is anything you do wrong against God. And so next time you ask who's Jesus, basically the best two answers, He's God's Son and He is our Savior. Very good. Everybody bow your head. Close your eyes. Dear Jesus, thank You for being our Savior. Thank you for loving us enough to come down from heaven to become a man and to become our sacrifice for everything that we do wrong. Thank you for loving us. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, y'all walk. Y'all did really good. So Jesus is God's Son and our Savior. Miss Betty Wells has our special this morning.
chapter 9, if you have an outline, just follow along in there. It seems like every time I go to a revival, something breaks, tears up, falls apart. This time it was our uh, suburban and house, but uh, the house was a planned fall apart, you know, and tear up. It The church is expanding the parsonage and uh, making it uh, better and it's very much appreciated. Uh, Karen and I uh, thank the church very much for taking care of us. Also, uh, we mentioned in prayer request earlier, or we should have, to remember Brother Trey. He's uh, filling in over at Brother Jeff's church uh, this morning, uh, just the morning services, so he'll be back tonight. He's staying pretty much uh, tied into that one Sunday a month, whether he likes to or not. And uh, so he's uh, going, doing some good work, filling in, preaching God's Word. He's already lined up for April 
uh, I think, even on Easter morning. And so I'll be filling in down south. Uh, Also, then our Suburban, and it was making a noise. Matter of fact, it was so loud we passed by. I forget where Shane was pulled over, but he heard Karen go by. And I just, well, I knew it was a wheelbarrow. I said, oh, that's a wheelbarrow. It's going out. And I said, told Frankie Martin, I said, well, check the brakes and check the wheelbarrows. He said, well, the brakes need replacing, but it's not your wheelbarrows. He replaced, it's the whole rear end. And uh, so, and uh, rear brakes, rear everything. And uh, got that taken care of and, and it drives real quiet now, real Real nice, and uh, Karen and the whole family joined us Friday for the revival. Uh, came over there, Caleb sang a special, uh, did a good job there at Old Sarepta. Uh, many of them had, matter of fact, the last time they saw us, there was uh, Taylor was an infant for some of them, and that, so they'd never met some of the others, and, and uh, so he sang, and of course Karen had her second BBS seminar Saturday in Minden, she has her last one this coming weekend in Little Rock, and uh, that'll be our last Vacation Bible School seminar uh, with this new material. <clears throat> Just, I appreciate the church giving me the freedom. I only have uh, two revivals this year. Normally, it's about three or four, and that's about it for the year, and there's only one left, and that's uh, in May, first week in May, Sharon Baptist Church in Benton, Arkansas. So remember that in prayer. It's, that'll be a probably have a tray filling in for me. That's a Sunday through a Wednesday in May. Okay, Acts chapter nine, beginning with verse one. This is a very common question asked to me on a number of occasions, on a number of different circumstances. How do you know God's will? How, preacher, how do I know what is God's will for whom, for, for me to marry? Who do I need to marry? Uh, what is God's will concerning my occupation? What college do I need to attend? Uh, you know, you know, and then even his particular will concerning should I have this? I mean, I've had people, I've prayed with people on our knees, whether or not we've had a lot of people pursuing Treatments with cancer. I've prayed with people before on should I pursue this particular treatment for cancer. Folks, I've been on my knees beside loved ones' beds whether or not to feeding tubes, oxygen, respirators. Many of y'all have been there. You know what I'm talking about. These are critical Critical decisions that people face, have faced in the past, and you will face in the future. And it's big to say, folks, the big, for those of you who can understand the words that I'm speaking right now, go ahead and help your children out and make the decision for them. I'll leave it at that. Just some good advice. Uh, Karen, I've already done it. We have living wills, um, whatnot. That may not be your thing, but I'm just saying, just relaying something for you to think about. Uh, again, I try to relay as good of information as I can, but it's much easier on your children or grandchildren if the decision is already made. How to know the will of God. We're going to look at the example of Saul, 
who later on became Paul this morning. And uh, he is a very religious guy. Matter of fact, he's, I mean, he is the upper echelon of the religious people during the days of Christ. And Jesus hasn't been dead too long when all of this is going uh, along and all of this is happening. Uh, just a few years, if you will. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way. Matter of fact, they didn't even have a name. Later on in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, people, they're called Christians. The first time they're ever called you Christ followers. But notice that what they're calling these people who are following this sect of these, following these uh, people of uh, Jesus Christos. That's the, that was his name back then in that language. Uh, Jesus Christ. Who is this strange fellow? Notice it says, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, in other words, the goads that you had prod cattle and oxen with. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, Arise and go into the city and it shall be, shall be told thee what thou must do. In the introduction, we have some things I've, we've got to iron out before we can see this. Before you can get a good grasp of what's going on here. There's basically three wills of God. Number one is His sovereign will. His sovereign will is something that you and I can do nothing about. Jesus is going to send His Son. You could not stop that. God's sovereign will is what He's going to do no matter what. Did you know that uh, God is going to send His Son through Israel? Can't stop it. Say, God is going to destroy a nation. Is there anybody big enough to stop God? <laughs> Think about it. You know, so God, His sovereign... You know, that's, that's a word we don't use too, too much. Not very often. His sovereign will. Okay? What is His sovereign will? Something He's going to do and you cannot change. You cannot change His mind. A lot of people think that He's planned out uh, everybody who's going to be saved. You know, that's He's so sovereign that no, we don't even have a choice. Uh, this, this row of people over here is going to heaven. This row of people right here is going to hell. This row of people's going to heaven, but that's there's a bunch of different denominations that have that particular belief. Uh, Primitive Baptist, a lot of them. Uh, Hard shell Baptist, a lot of them. There's also real popular in, in even the Southern Baptist. 
I do a lot of reading. We have a, a particular set of commentaries. He's very good in our library. And they're all maroon color. And it's by John MacArthur. If you ever read his stuff on Revelation, excuse me, Romans chapter 8 and Ephesians chapter 1, you find out he believes that. He believes some are going to heaven, some are going to hell, and God's sovereign, and there's nothing you can do about it. Okay? And that's also called in the Southern Baptist realm, and I haven't heard, it hadn't really trickled into the Missionary Baptists, and there's several different branches of Missionary Baptists. There's ours, ABA, BMA, but it's called Reformed Theology which is a spinoff of Calvinism. That's all. And I, y'all need to know these things. You, that way, when you run into it later, you say, well, I think I remember Brother Michael mentioning something about that. And some of you already know. All right. Then there's God's moral will. What is, is it all, I mean, think about this. It's wrong to murder. You see, God has moral will. Is wrong to uh, you know, think about all, all, a lot of our felony crimes are based on the Bible. It's wrong to lie. Okay? It's wrong to steal. A lot of people say, you know, and you say, well, or, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you going to heaven? Do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? I've never killed anybody. <laughs> that always makes me feel better when I'm witnessing to them. <laughs> and so... You know, and what what they're trying to do is, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as a murderer. But God's level of righteous, in other words, what it takes to get into heaven, is perfection. Beyond, I mean, you can't even tell a white lie. Oh, yes, that dress makes you look very nice. You know, you know, you there's all sorts of, I love your hair. Or no hair. You know, there's all sorts of little little fibs that we call them. Just look, and what you're doing basically is you're trying not to hurt somebody's feelings or whatnot. But all of us have said little white lies or said something we shouldn't say. All of us are sinners, but God has a moral will. He, but guess what? He's not going to force it on you. His sovereign will is what He's going to do. And you can't stop it. His moral will is what He wants you to do or how to behave or how to act. And then you have God's particular will, which means, did you know God doesn't want you? I believe this. I'm going to stand behind this pulpit before Almighty God and say, I don't think, well, excuse me, I believe that God doesn't want a married person to, I mean, a saved person to marry a lost person. Get say it correctly. So a saved person to marry a lost person. He says, be not unequally yoked together. As the manner of some is. Now, does it happen? Well, my goodness, yes. It happened with my parents. Okay? <clears throat> my dad was saved way after my mom and dad's divorce. That's one of the reasons they divorced. They come from two polar opposite backgrounds. God's particular will. I believe God has a particular will, not only on who you should marry. Now, let me go ahead and qualify this. I don't believe there's one special somebody for you in all the world. And if you miss him or her, 
then you're out of God's will forever. What you need to do is find... If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you find somebody else that's in love with the Lord, and you've got a great candidate. Okay? That's it. And uh, so, is there? could there be more than one? Yeah, there could be, but because love is a choice. But you've got to have a good foundation, and every marriage should be made up of three individuals. Husband, wife, and the Lord. Okay? Husband, wife, and the Lord. Okay? And now, can God work it out if a lost person marries a saved person? Why, sure! We've, we've all seen that. What about go, where do you go to school or what occupation? You, I think you need to do, go into an occupation where God opens the door. And sometimes that's hard to discern, I know. There are some myths concerning God's will that we need to realize. Myth number one, God will give you a road map. No, He's going to give you a guidebook. It's kind of like this. Uh, this Bible here. How many of you have ever been to, lift your hand, have ever been to a zoo? Okay, you've been to a zoo. How many of you have ever been to uh, a Six Flags style amusement park? Raise your hand. Disney World, anybody? Yeah. Okay. Did you know when you get in that thing, you can go right or left? You can go up through the middle, then cut back around. You can go see the tigers first and then the penguins or ever what they've got. You know, so God doesn't give us a road map. In other words, point A, point B. Oh man, I miss C. My life is messed up. No. God doesn't give us a road. What He gives is a guidebook. In other words, this is life. He told Adam and Eve, you're living in the garden. Just don't eat of that tree. You can go right or left. You can go around it. You can visit the, the, the berries over here, the flowers over here, you can you don't even have to till anything. Just enjoy it. And then he did till. Matter of fact, I love it. He said, uh, uh, Chloe Chapman one day, he said, uh, uh, Brother Michael, do you know what, what kind of, uh, what was the very first tiller ever made? I was thinking, you know, Massey Ferguson, Troy built. I said, I don't know, Troy built? No, he said, Adam. It said, because it says, if you read, don't do it now, I'm preaching, okay? But Genesis, it says he, he was a tiller of the ground, okay? You can look up that. It's, it is. He, he, Adam was the first tiller. Myth number two, God doesn't want you to have any fun. Going to church is torture. It's awful. I'm having to sit here and be quiet in church. Man, I'm bored. Mom, don't make me go to church, Brother Michael. Crazy. Crazy. Right. See? Don't want to have any fun. That, my goodness, the Bible is Full of people serving the Lord is an adventure. It's an adventure. And sometimes, especially when your back is up against the wall, you I mean, whether it be your health problems, all of a sudden, I mean, my back is way up against the wall. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't go any further back than this unless I jump in there. And so, I'm, my back's up against the wall. Preacher, what am I going to do? Well, the, 
Yeah, they want to call the preacher then. Yeah. <laughs> man, I need to know, man, it's kind of like uh, there's principles in here for raising kids. But a messed up first 15 years and, a, and, a, and I'd really, and <clears throat> I sent them to church. We should have took them to church. Now, preacher, they're 16 and I'm in a pickle. Can you fix them in 30 minutes? No. But I have had people wish come to me and wish I had a secret pill or a magical verse. You know, boy, brother, uh, Sibley, man, he, he did awesome illustrations, great. That was cool last Sunday. But the, and he said it. There's no such thing as magic. The only power that he has that is that you have, and that's the Holy Spirit of God that's in your heart if you're saved. And if we don't, these are principles, guides. It's it's not really a roadmap, so to speak, but it's laid out what what we should do. Okay, next. God only myth speaks. To the holy, which means, man, brother Michael is the only one that has the answers. That and the Bible. No, if you're saved, you and the Bible and the Holy Spirit of God. That's all you need. You say I've messed up, preacher. You don't know, man. I'm I'm living. I have said. Think about it. David, King David was caught in sin, messed up. Nathan came along, and David, he think about it, you can talk to God even though you're living in sin. How, but the first thing that needs to come out of your mouth, if you're not living right, is say, God, forgive me. Say, God, for, it's been a long time. Matter of fact, and you say, God, I need your help. Guess what? You're getting God's will. And you're, somebody may be uh, uh, committing a sin. Somebody may be uh, the sin of uh, adultery, the sin of uh, uh, promiscuity, the sin of uh, alcoholism, the sin of drugs, the sin of, you just may be the worst gossip in all of Ashley County. I don't know. I don't know what your sin is. It's the first words that need to come out of our mouth say, God, I'm sorry. Man, it is. Things are not going well in my life right now. And you know what? God will listen to you then. He will. But He's up there saying, Why won't you listen? Why won't you turn to me? So God doesn't just speak to the holy or preachers or Sunday school teachers or deacons. He's waiting on you. I'm waiting for an experience like Saul. Well, that'd be great. On Promised Land Road, all of a sudden, boom, bright light, and you get a word from God. Uh, go, if you will, to 1 Kings 19. There we go. Way back in the Old Testament. 1 Kings 19. Follow along in your Bible. Or listen along. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. <clears throat> this is... Uh, Oh, by the way, this is, some people think that Elijah 
uh, I don't think it's very accurate. They said he suffered from a bipolar disorder. I think Saul did too, King Saul, not Saul the Paul. But he was up, he was down, but really I think he was just scared to death. He was running for his life, he just had a great victory. And in 1 Kings 19, he's hiding from Jezebel. And uh, he's there out in the country, and he said, I'm in 1 Kings 19, 11, and this is the Lord. He said, go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, or broke them, just ripped, I mean, just wind ripping through the mountains. And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire. This sounds like we're reading uh, Fox News right now. (laughs) Earthquakes, fires, winds. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And look at verse 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering of the cave and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He was hiding, running. Now, listen, I've only got y'all for about another 10 minutes, so y'all hang on. Y'all are doing really good. Really, I'm bragging on you. Are you so busy that you don't even have time? Your prayer life is not what it ought to be. And if your prayer life is not what it ought to be, how do you expect to figure out the will of God? And some of you are so busy, you can't even, like me, maybe having a hearing aid on your ear. But I'm not talking about hearing an audible voice. What I'm talking about is, is your life is going so fast right now, you wouldn't know the still small voice if it screamed. You got to be still to hear a still small voice. I want to challenge you this week. Now, some of you are good at this. Now, notice I said some. Do you have a quiet time? Between you and God. I don't care if it's just two minutes. Put your little Bible, New Testament, or devotional book at the head of your bed. If you're too tired to read it, when you uh, go to bed, you say, I'm just too tired and I read it and I fall asleep. Read it when you get up. You say, well, I can't read till I have my coffee. Put it in your vehicle. Can you follow me? Can you take 60 seconds before you put that car in drive or reverse? Because listen, I know y'all, and y'all know me, we all live, put it where it'll work. I'm talking about your Bible or your, just some quiet time, maybe wherever it may be. In your vehicle, at your bed, where you drink your coffee, at work, if you take a break like me, I've got a, I've got a macaroni and chili stained New Testament. I've still got it. Why? Because I carried it 
to the sawmill in my lunchbox. Chili and macaroni, and it was in there with it. And I would mark off as I read each chapter. Just kind of certain. I had my own little marking system. I said, well, just eat. Y'all can read a chapter at lunch. Just a chat. You'd be amazed. There'll be one verse that just pops out at you. Just, it takes less than two minutes to read a chapter. Especially chapters in the New Testament. There are some long ones in the Old Testament. But that's why I had my New Testament. I had a New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. I love that particular portion of God's Word, or not to discard the rest. Some call it, do you have one of those amputated Bibles? Yeah, yeah it's amputated. But I love my amputated Bible because it was the Word of God. You say, well, that sounds so corny and so simple. Just reading of, what is this? You cannot know God's will without listening to His Word. Okay, now I'm talking about his particular will, because all of you ought to know his sovereign will and his moral will, you know, what he wants us to do morally, okay? All right, moving on, the guidance of God, these are just some simple things, you must be willing to obey him, turn back if you will to Acts 9, we're just going to pull out a segment here, you must be meek, you must be open and you must yield. That's all found in Acts 9, 6. Every, all four of those points are Acts 9, 6. Okay? What does Acts 9, 6 say? He trembling and astonished. Stop right there. He trembling and astonished. Basically, you realize... God, I've messed up. He had been persecuting the wrong people for the wrong reason. Basically this, what when you and your life realize that my life is headed in this direction and it's the wrong direction. Some of us guys, I don't know about you, I maybe it's just me and Karen, but there's nothing I hate worse Normal, especially on direction, I am almost, Brother Larry, I'm almost always right, okay? Especially on direction. I'm headed in this direction. But oh, it grinds me up, Brother Larry, whenever Karen said, go that way, and I'm headed that way. Guess what that means? I've got to figure out, number one, I've got to turn around without her knowing it, or, <clears throat> or I've got to apologize. It's that simple. Isn't it? So you headed in the wrong direction. You've only got one of two choices. Keep heading in the wrong direction. Or bone up, man up for you guys and turn, say, God, sorry. Head in another direction. Paul, Trembling and he got caught heading in the wrong direction. Okay, quickly. He said, the next thing, very few in this room have literally uttered these words, literally uttered these words in a prayer. I'm talking about these words come out of your mouth. God, what do you want me to do? No, 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 no. I didn't say, God, 
I don't know what to Every one of us have said that. I don't have a clue what to do. No, no, no. These words are words of surrender. The other words are words of ignorance. And I've uttered them and you've uttered them. I don't know what to do. All of us have said that. When you surrender means God, Lord, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Did y'all catch that? I hope you understood what I meant by that. Those are two different phrases. Okay? And that you see what he did here. You sit, you tell the Lord, totally different direction. I've talked to different people like Ben and others, Dina, different ones. People that have drastic life changes, you know, being changed jobs here a while back. It's, it's difficult. I was just visiting with him and he talked about pulling the trigger on that. When you talk about life changing, job change is a life change. A move would blow some of y'all smooth out of the water if you ever moved. You know what I'm talking about. That's the light. But that's what I'm talking about. But it's not your will I'm talking about. It's what does God want you to do. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It's difficult to make life changing decisions. I'm not asking any of you to move. I want everybody to stay here. But, I'm, but I've met, I, you know what I'd rather have? I'd rather have you doing God's will. What does God want? Not what Michael Reese wants. What does God want? We'll both be happier. Because we'll both be miserable. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will always guide you. Uh, I won't turn over to Psalms 119. It says, Thy word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. That's Every one of y'all should have that memorized. Or at least, as instead of quoting it, can you code it? Okay, that's what Roy used to say, Roy Chapman. Uh, Acts 9, and the last scripture is Acts 9, 17. So, Saul's blind. He goes into town, Ananias meets up with him. Acts 9, 17 says this, And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, putting his hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in thy way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightst receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was his power, his strength to go in all the world. And he did. One of the few people that God ever saved and almost called to preach immediately. As we get ready for a hymn invitation, as Brother Norman and our musicians come on down, uh, I ask you this morning, do, do you know God's will? And if you're not sure, there's, hey folks, there's nothing wrong with saying, God, I, I don't know. But then you say, the next part is surrender. And you say, God... What do you want me to do? And really mean it. And if you're, hey, listen to this real quickly. I did this sitting in the middle of my bed with a Bible open, hunting for the verse that said, Michael Reese is not called to preach. I looked everywhere for it. And finally, I, and folks, listen, I said these words to God. I said, God, I'll surrender. And when I did, my whole bed was shaken 
I was sweating and I was scared to death. Why? The unknown. All of us worry about one thing mainly. You know what it is? Something that's out of your control or you don't know. You don't know. When it's out of your control and you don't know. Would you give your life, your heart to God? As we all stand and turn to page number. M number 187. For Jesus and be always pure and good. Would you walk with Him within the narrow road?